0: Good morning everybody and welcome to episode 83 of the Ask the Coach show where PingSkills answers your table tennis questions. Today we get to see Alois demonstrate live on the show his trick of rolling the ball from one side to the other. We're also going to talk about the rules around playing for another country, the Tomahawk serve, defenders and the mysterious disappearing pin holder.
1: Good morning allies. are you ready to show the world your amazing trick? Uh, yes indeed, Jeffrey. Indeed.
0: <laughs> yeah, well it was um it was interesting to hear you describe this trick about rolling the ball from one side to the other. And there's been a few comments that your tips had helped them and they're actually getting yeah. better at this skill.
1: Yeah, and I think also yeah, someone else was it Dita? maybe Dita put some really good tips on there as well. Um so yeah, the the main thing is, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a trick. The main thing is that um, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the ball from there to there. If you throw the ball up and then turn your bat over as as it's at the top of the bounce, I'll try and demonstrate to you. So here, so throw it up and then turn it over. Throw it up and then turn it over. So you're Not following bad.
0: the ball. Down just a little, it just goes
1: out of shot. Okay, so you're throwing the ball up. And then turning it over, throw it up, and then turn your bat over. So I'll go back a little bit. Da, 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 da. Oh, um, this is
0: exciting, alloys. Go on, again. It is exciting,
1: isn't it, Jeff? Um, so so then as you as you get a little bit more competent then it starts to look like you're just rolling it over from side to side. That to that. that.
0: Is great, Aloys, and I bet this is even better for people listening on the audio podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a hoot.
0: <laughs> yes. So don't forget you can find all our shows on pingskills.com and go to the blog link. You'll see all the show past shows there, and also you can subscribe on iTunes and listen to it as an audio podcast. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed that. That was pretty exciting, Aloys. <laughs> Great trip, great uh, yeah, trip. We know how to entertain. <laughs> yes, indeed. Now, yesterday we were talking about um, players moving to other countries and how they can represent the the country when they move over. And there's quite a few rules around that, Alice. Do you want to just run through some of those rules that we found out?
1: Yeah, so uh, Graham Island to the rescue again. So Graham Island, probably one of the best refs in the world. Um, he um, he answered our question for us. So, um, so what it is? So, firstly, you have to have a full national or be a national of the country that you want to represent. Um, now, you can't uh, represent two different countries within three years, as we talked about yesterday. But there's also some rules around um, the age that you move from one country to another. So. Um, If you are under 15 when you move countries, then um, you have to wait three years um, after the date of registration. If you're between 15 and 18, you have to wait five years. If you're uh, between 18 and 21, uh, you have to wait seven years. And um, if you're, now he says here, players being 21 years of age or older will not be registered with the ITTF and will not be eligible to represent a new association at Worlds. So so after the age of 21, basically, you can't um, change countries.
0: Yeah, see? And I just feel that they've gone too hard with those rules. I mean, over 21 switch countries, that's it. You can't play at the Worlds? I think it's too hard. Even 18, if you switch after you're 18, it's seven years. You can't play till you're 25. Um, And I guess, the, I, I've heard some discussion about players marrying other players and wanting to move to another country and then they can't play for that country, yeah, I just don't, I think they're trying to solve a problem, that it's not that big a problem and I think they've gone too hard, that's just my personal opinion on the matter. Do you have any thoughts on it, Aloys? Oh uh, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, t- I
1: tend to agree because uh, when I look at it from the point of view of um, the players that have come over to Australia, um, I think it'd be really harsh for them. But I also see that I, uh, when when you look at a draw and you see all expat Chinese players uh, playing against each other, it tends to take away from um, the Ability of a nation to build their uh, the players level, so um, it's then not as reflective of the country's development. Um, it's yeah, it's more about who has um, who has moved to that country.
0: Mm, yeah, I, I kind of get that. Yeah,
1: I mean, I mean, well, in in, in um, football or soccer, as we call it, um, I mean, if the. At the top level in in clubs, I mean, basically, you know, there's movement all the time. Uh, not necessarily. I'm not talking about the national teams, but you know, we're still really interested in um, in all the teams, even though they're buying players in from um, from other sides. So, yeah, so it's not really about their development either. But um, yeah, I just think as a, as a nation, I think it's it's um, it's yeah, I, I th- there there needs to be some. Uh, indication of a, a nation's ability to uh, to develop players as well.
0: Yeah, okay. It's interesting. But then um, for Australia, we had a top player, William Hensel, but he basically lived in Sweden to improve his table tennis. So when he comes back and, and does well for Australia, it doesn't indicate our level here as much as the development he had in Sweden. So is there much difference?
1: Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's a good, good point,
0: Geoffrey, good point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, anyway, it's a very interesting topic, um, if you've got any thoughts, leave a comment, and we'd love to hear from you. All right, Alice, let's get on to, um, the Pink Skiller's question of the day from yesterday, which is, when your opponent makes a service error, do you say thank you? Uh,
1: certainly don't, and I remember, I remember this really bugging me when I was young, um, there, there was a there was an old guy at uh, at uh, in the competition that I used to play, a funny old guy, but um, and he used to you know try to uh, try to upset you with with little things, and he used to always say thank you when, when you served a fault. And I remember being so um, so angry about it, um, I mean now I don't think it would worry me too much, but yeah, it certainly did worry me at the time. I was thinking why is he saying thank you? That's so condescending. Um, I didn't think condescending at the time because I didn't know that word, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I was annoyed at the time. So yeah, I think yeah, if, if it's you doing it, just stop it, don't do it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I remember some things along these lines, Alice. You're talking about an old player and I remember, I don't know if it's the same player, but I remember on a different subject playing this guy and he was kind of a defender, kind of lobber, kind of mixing up shots and he would go back from the table and he'd sort of lob the ball and he'd keep getting it back and eventually I'd miss it and he'd yell out, that's just too good. <laughs> it, was, it, was, yeah, it was just really annoying, um, with, uh, with the faulty, yeah, I don't generally say it, but I remember once when I was young and it was one of my early on tournaments and I really wanted to do well and I was playing this guy and I got off to a really bad start and I was down quite a bit and I was just coming back, coming back and I think it got to like 10-9 and then he served the fault and I was so interested in getting up to the right score that I was like, yes, when he served the fault. <laughs> Which is mean, really, really rude, I know. Oh, and he just exactly. gave worst look and said something to me. Um and I went on to win the match. No. <laughs> uh so yeah, so don't do that either. That's probably even worse than saying thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting though, at um at international level though, um, the the players or the or the teams often clap when um the other person serves a fault and you know, even edges and nets and that sort of thing and they just, yeah, it's just accepted by some countries, not, um, I think, in general, you know, a lot of the European nations won't do it, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it is accepted internationally and, and you just know that when you're, when you're competing internationally, that's just what happens.
0: Interesting. All right, well, let's um, talk about the Ping skills question for today which is, how long can Samsonov stay competitive with the best in the world?
1: Yeah. So, uh, well, I mean, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting, isn't it? It would be interesting to hear people's thoughts. He's 39 years of age.
0: 39 and still winning uh, ITTF uh, Pro Tour events. Good work, yeah. Samsonov. So leave a comment, you can go to pingskills.com, click on the blog link and you'll find this show where you can leave your comment. Love to hear your thoughts on Samsonov, the 39-year-old. All right, Alois, let's um, take a question from Brock who's jumped on again, a regular viewer, and asked a question using the Google Q&A app which you can all do by going to our Google Plus page. But now Brock says, hey, Pingskills, your tip for the loop with backspin and sidespin didn't work. Do you have any other tip to block it? I'm frustrated.
1: Yeah, no, it's such, a, it's a, it's such an awkward stroke to, to try and counter. So when they play with sidespin and backspin, and it's, it's almost like, you almost need to treat it like a chop, a sidespin chop. So you know maybe you can just open up the bat a little bit more and try to push the ball back. If he, if he's really generating a lot of backspin. Um, yeah so maybe you need to open it up and and almost push it back, but the other thing is to try and stop him from from playing that shot, so he 'll play that shot when you put the ball into a certain position and um, and off a certain uh type of uh spin so so maybe try to just stay away from that area you know I think it 's usually easier to do that when the ball's a little bit closer to you um, on your forehand side if the ball's out out wider on the forehand it 's harder for him to do it. And certainly if the ball's on the back end, then it becomes even harder. So, yeah, Yeah. so maybe uh, think about that as well.
0: Yeah, good point. I'm trying hard to sort of picture this shot because a loop I always think of as having topspin, but if you're coming underneath it, it's actually more like a push, like you said. So maybe you should think about trying to push the ball back if it really does have backspin. But, yeah, like you said, Alice, it's not going to be an easy shot for him to play, I don't think. So if you can get some speed on the ball... Um, it's going to be harder for him, and like you said, if you also place it wider, it could be harder. So try those things out. But yeah, it does sound like a frustrating shot, Brock.
1: Yeah, there was a um, there was a player in Melbourne, um, uh, Peter Sheedy. Do you remember Peter Sheedy? I remember
0: Peter Sheedy. Yes.
1: Yeah. So Peter Sheedy used to do this all the time. You know, he'd be back there lobbying and then he'd give you a backspin, side spin ball, and gee, it got really awkward. So um, yeah. It's um, it's a matter of just learning to deal with it as well.
0: Yeah. So, and if you've got time, you could actually play like a topspin-off backspin shot, which would be quite effective too, um, but again, just takes a bit of practice. So good luck, Brock. Let us know how you go. All right, Alois, Lucas has jumped on and asked a question. Thanks, Lucas. He said, today at school, I played against one of the best players in my club, and he won 15-13. None of us were trying our hardest, but I was still happy about the result. He's been playing a lot longer than me, so I think I've improved a lot in just four weeks.
1: Yeah, that's that's really impressive, Lucas. It's um it's nice when you um when you feel yourself improving and you know you start to get some some good results um in your in your matches. So yeah, well done. It's it must be must be some good improvement happening in four weeks.
0: Yes, well done, Lucas. Keep the hard work up. Good to hear. All right, now we've got a question from Huzafa. who says, I have seen many people doing the Tomahawk serve and they say that this is a very special serve. I don't seem to see anything special in it. Why? Yeah. Um, so the Tomahawk,
1: um, there's two real forms of it. There's one where you're just placing the ball on the table with... Um, it's quite slow, um, and so you're relying on you're relying on the placement. You're relying on keeping the ball low over the net, and then there's uh, the the big tomahawk serve where you where you really wind up and you and you're doing that sort of thing. It's almost like a tennis serve, so you, you're bending down low and really ripping through the ball that way. So um, they both have they both have their advantages. So this one here where you just um, uh, placing the ball well. You don't give the other person much speed to work with, and you keep, because you're keeping it really low, it makes it difficult to um, to to get the ball back or to make an effective return that's going to be difficult for you for the server. Um, this one here, you do you can really start to generate a lot of spin on the ball. Um, and the disguise between the top spin and the back spin um, can be quite difficult for your opponent to to read as well. So um, yeah, so that's that's why that one's effective. And then they also do the reverse tomahawk. So instead of hitting it that way, they come through and they hit the ball with the other side of the racket, which adds which adds another uh, dimension to the serve to make yeah, it.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess the serve looks quite simple alloys and it's it's like in clear view, which all serves are meant to be now. So I guess that's why it looks like it's maybe not effective. But it's not the most common serve, so people also aren't used to seeing it and probably aren't used to playing it. And you can get some different angles with it also because you serve it from more out to your right, so you're not serving it from the backhand side where the pendulum serve is. So again, it's coming from a different angle. So there's a lot of variations there. And I think it's that those facts also that make it difficult for some people to return it. They're not used to seeing the serve. It's hard for them to pick just the variations and the angles are different. So it's worth a try. Yeah, so has try the serve out and see if you can um, use it in a, a few matches and see if it's effective for you.
1: Yeah, and Brock uh, said there, you know, which serve do you prefer? Um, like, I prefer doing the pendulum serve but um, and, I, and, I re- and I prefer... Prefer returning the pendulum serve, um, but I don't, yeah, don't like returning the tomahawk. I just um, find it harder to see the um, the variations, uh, just because I've seen the pendulum serve so much, um, but I haven't seen the tomahawk serve
0: as much. Yeah, I'm probably the same. Just because um, when I was growing up, the um, pendulum serve was so popular, everybody served that, so you got more used to that serve. So the Tomahawk was a bit rarer, so you always were a little bit unsure about returning it. So yeah, thanks for that, uh, Brock. All right, now uh, Nick has jumped on and asked a question. Thanks, Nick. He says, it was recently suggested to me by a much better player, I'm a beginner, that I should keep my wrist angled a little down. He says it will be important to move to the next level. I've been using a straight wrist shake hand grip. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah. So, so when when you're when you're beginning, especially, it's important to just have a neutral wrist. So, so if you if you've got your arm there or your hand there, that's that's what your wrist looks like. So it doesn't look like this, and it doesn't look like this. So when you put your bat in your hand, that's that's what your wrist should look like. If you start to do this sort of thing and play, okay, one you're going to um, injure your wrist. Um, and two you're going to start to lead to more errors and, and start to get different um, spin on the ball so so yeah initially really important to just keep a nice neutral um, neutral wrist when you're when you're learning strokes.
0: Okay that's good and that neutral wrist will allow you later on to use wrist in your backhand shots and, and things like that.
1: Yeah absolutely so so as you develop then as you as you're relaxing, through your stroke, it'll naturally go um, through the ball. So, um, because it's nice and relaxed, you'll be able to to do that. If you're if you're bending your wrist um, to to try and play strokes, then it's already in a locked position and it's tight. And so, when you start to try and do more um, more things, it's it's really forcing it through. So, keep it neutral, keep it relaxed, and then the arm will flow through later on as you start to develop your strokes.
0: Great. All right. Thanks for the question, Nick. All right. Um, next question is um, from jazz 95 who says, Hi Ping Skills. After 10 years of playing, I have developed quite effective serves, but still I keep missing too many serves in a match. Do you have any tips to improve my consistency in serving?
1: Yeah, so it um, it comes back to your service practice or your service training. So um, it's easy. Well, it's easier um, in a training situation to just go out there and serve and serve and serve. You know, you, you might even have a bucket of balls. You pick one up, you serve it. Pick one up, you serve it. Um, without really thinking about it, without really um, going through um, a situation in your mind like it's serving in a match. So in your training, just. Stop yourself each time. Try to do um, a pre-point routine or a preparation like you would be um, in a match situation. Or even if you're doing practice games, um, make sure that you're going through your routine as you normally would in a real match situation. So, you know, make sure, firstly, that you've only got one ball um, that that you're playing with. So you've got time to go back, pick up the ball, come back, um, have a think about what serve you're going to do and play your routine and then do your serve. So just, just practicing under um, similar sort of mental pressure as you would in a match situation uh, will then help you to transfer that skill into the match as well.
0: Okay, good tips there, Alloys, And uh, thank you for the question. All right. Now, Lucas has asked, he says, when I get a heavy topspin serve, I tend to go uh, a little bit back and loop the ball back. Should I continue doing that, or should I try and get used to the tips in your video on heavy topspin?
1: Um Yeah, no, I think you, sh- you need to try and stay close. If, you, if it's a topspin serve, or a fast topspin serve, um, if you go back, then you're giving away your advantage. So with the topspin serve, they can't serve it fast enough that it's going to Go past you um, if you're watching the ball carefully. So, so firstly, watch the ball carefully. Stay reasonably close to the table, and then just either topspin the ball or block the ball back um, to position. So, if you if you go back and give yourself too much time, then you're giving away your time advantage. So, um, yeah, if if they're going to just serve a a topspin serve, you need to um, utilize that and and be a little bit more aggressive by staying close to the table, I think.
0: Yeah, and if you do stay close, alloys, you don't have to really rip it really fast to make it effective because there's, you're not going to give your opponent much time, so you can play quite a controlled top 10 stroke and it's still going to put a lot of pressure on your opponent.
1: Yeah, that's right, so they're not going to have much time at all, so uh, yeah, give that a go.
0: Alright, good one. Thanks, Lucas. And um, one more question from Brock, he says, how can I improve my balance? Now I know you're big on balance, Alloys. This is a really important part of table tennis.
1: Uh yeah, definitely. So uh, balance is about um, having good footwork, having a good um, stance. So be nice and low in your position when you're when you're uh, playing. So so making sure that you that you, you don't stand up like this with your head chopped off. Um, get down nice and low. Um, bend your your knees, um, get your center of gravity nice and low so then it's easier for you to move um, and it's easier for you to stop as well. So the wide stance is important, the low stance is important to start off with. And then you just got to do lots and lots of um, footwork drills and practices and you'll find find plenty of training drills that you can try out um, in our free downloads as well.
0: Great. All right. I'll put some links to those, the basic stance. which shows that nice wide and low stance to give you a really good balance and to the drills to show you can do some footwork drills. Okay, great. Now let's move on to a question from Viet. who says, nowadays I see defenders and pen holders are getting fewer. Most of the top players are now playing shake hand style and attack. For example, Juicy Hook is the only defender that is well known. Also, Zhu Xin and Wang Hao are the only N holders.
1: Yeah, it's um, it is getting a little bit that way, isn't it? But um, but Zhu Xin's doing all right for himself. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it is that they are getting less. Um, there's not much we can do about it, really, because I think you know, and it's sort of a, it's a bit self fulfilling too. So the more players that are playing shake hand, um, the more young players see that um. That's the way to play, and so that's how they start as well. So, and as far as defenders, yeah, defending's defending is such a difficult art nowadays, um, because you know because of the speed and the way that uh, players can attack. But I don't know. I just get a feeling that defenders are coming back a little bit, especially. There's a few Japanese defenders around now that um, that are doing well. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully defenders don't uh, don't disappear. I think, for me, the most entertaining matches to watch is when an attacker is playing a defender. You know, it's just beautiful to watch, and and the rallies that happen. And I think, and I think even for the um for the uh, general public that don't know a lot about table tennis, I reckon that is pretty spectacular to watch as well.
0: Yeah, it certainly is good to see, and I think. Just as they become rarer, people are going to get less used to playing them. So there's kind of maybe a more of an opportunity to be a defender and do well. Um, so yeah, it's definitely exciting. And like you said, there's a few Japanese choppers coming through. So hopefully they continue to progress. Um, with the pen holding pen holders, it's interesting because most of the pen holders now are using the reverse uh, backhand, reverse pen hold backhand, and when you first look at it, it almost looks like they're playing shake hands. So, again, if they start to use that shot, they lose the advantage of having the middle. Um, so it kind of does bring the question up, is there much advantage to using that over a shake hand grip?
1: Yeah, it, it does become interesting. It's, um, yeah, it, I, I think, well, it'll be interesting to see over the next 10 years what happens. Um, I certainly don't have a crystal ball to, to know, but... Um, yeah I I have a feeling that shake hands will just keep on getting larger uh, but yeah let's see it'd be nice to see some variation and some different styles because um it, it it makes the game a lot more interesting to watch
0: It does yeah so if I had to predict I would say yeah we would get more shake hands and a less percentage of pen holders uh, but I think around the same percentage of defenders it would be my crystal ball gazing, but again, I don't really know. Let's see what happens, Alois.
1: <laughs> indeed, indeed,
0: yep. Okay, now uh, Nick's just jumped on and asked another question, Alois. He says, I am finding it takes me a long time, like a couple of hours of playing to be really able to play at my peak. Have you got any advice or warm-ups that might help?
1: Um, sorry,
0: can you say that one again, Jeff? I can, he says, I'm finding it takes me a long time, like a couple of hours, to be playing at my peak. Have you got any advice or warm-ups that might help me get ready and able to play at my peak faster?
1: Yeah, I think just um, warming up a little bit more before uh, before your matches is important. So so get out there and do some physical warming up um before you start, so run around a little bit, um, get the heart rate up, I think that helps, and also just um, your preparation before a match, um, if you do get a chance to to do some hitting, just make sure that you do um, a lot of hitting, uh, again, getting the heart rate up, but then also do some practice with, um, like in a point or a game situation as well, so do do some points, play some rallies, do some serving, do some return of serve, um, and that might help you.
0: Yeah, good tips, Alice. I found the same. I found that if I was almost sweating before I started playing, so actually doing some running or jumping or some side shuffling, that helped. But then definitely doing some, um, some backspin practice, maybe some short pushing, and also a topspin off the backspin. And if I got those things uh, right and practiced those a little bit before my match, I found I was able to play well. So there's some tips for you, Nick. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for watching the show. Um, Brock says he's going to meet the tall guy tomorrow, possibly. So good luck, Brock. Go get him. See what you can do. Uh, Make sure you visit pingskills.com, everybody. Lots of good resources. Sign up for our free newsletter, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, Alloys.
1: Yeah, good luck, Brock, and uh, yeah, good luck, all ping skillers. Make sure you get some table tennis in today. See you tomorrow.
0: See everyone, and thanks everyone for asking questions. Bye.